Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to another Britflix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today I've got with me Matt Harlow. Hello, Matt. Hi there, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Right, we've we've come to talk about two things. One thing being the more prescient because it's a crowdfunding campaign. It's for the supernatural horror short film Deep Clean, but we're also going to talk about a short, I don't know, do you call it a documentary that becomes a film, a, a horror film, or is it, is it a horror film? Um, uh, um, yeah, we, we call it a Sometimes people don't know what that means, but yeah. Because <laughs> I, I watched it, I watched it blind, as it were, and then you know, obviously, as it transpires, it becomes a horror film after being a very informative, exciting documentary about a comic book artist. Like I was just saying off, off record, that that I wasn't aware of. Although I, I, I'm into that kind of work, and we'll talk about that later. Um, so deep clean is a supernatural horror short film you're do, doing a crowdfunding campaign for. When does the camp... The campaign has already started, as we speak. This is The campaign f- is live, yes. So we're Friday the 23rd of June, we're speaking now. Hopefully this podcast will go live soon after. Um, when, does the pro- when does the campaign end? Uh, it ends on July the 13th, which is a Thursday. So we've um, basically got um, uh, sort of three and a half weeks. Um, it was a 23-day campaign. Yeah, we started on Tuesday. Okay, and how much And how much are you planning to raise for the crowdfunding? Uh, we're planning to raise £25,000. Um, so um, we got off to a pretty good start, almost up to seven um, after three days, which is cool. Um, and what we're doing is, um, yeah, just sort of keeping on pushing. The, um, uh, the interesting thing about crowdfunding is that um, I, I run this thing called No Direction Home, and we did a, um, uh, a crowdfunding special, and, and we um, met um, and interviewed three or four filmmaking teams who'd done this successfully recently. But we also spoke to a wonderful guy called Stephen Follows from Catsnake Media, um, who, um, amongst his other um, accomplishments, um, he also is a producer. And, and does film projects, but he um, he does a lot of data crunching and number crunching and, and analysis of industry figures and trends. And so we based a lot of our campaign around um, his sort of thoughts um, and also data, hard numbers about what works and what doesn't. For example, that shorter campaigns work better than longer campaigns. Like when I, whenever I was approaching or thinking about a Kickstarter, I always assumed that 30 days was just the length, but found out obviously that you can make your campaign any length you want. 
and that his data suggests that an 18-day campaign um, is the optimum length, which is very interesting. Um, and, I, and I think that comes down to, and, and this is this is Stephen's opinion, a sense of urgency. Um, so basically, if you're saying we've got 10 years to raise this money, people are, oh, well, I'll, you know, I'll do it in a couple of years' time then. Whereas if you've got 10 days, then obviously there is a, there is a much closer deadline, which hopefully is going to stimulate action. And that's kind of what crowdfunding is about, really, is trying to stimulate action and response. Um, and so things like a shorter campaign, like launching on a Tuesday, not ending on a Friday, Saturday or Sunday, the, the data suggests that those days are, are harder to, to, to bring people to and to donate to get the campaign to its end. So a lot of the stuff we've done has been based around Stephen Follows and, and around those interviews that we did with other filmmakers in terms of what works. And that's a, re- that's, that's a really sort of that's a really clever way of, of looking at it, to sort of look at the lessons learned. I mean, I've spoken to George Schmoltz, who's the Kickstarter film guy, um, right. before, and uh, yeah, it was amazing when you look at and you look at the stats as to what's successful and what's not. It's it's actually quite straightforward and common sense, like you described. I mean, basically, it's a, the the more you can make this feel like a one time offer and, and and go for it now, the more the more attractive it is. So let's think about that uh, and let's think of let's let's go for what in deep clean then what what are we selling here? What what's the what's the short film about? And then what are the rewards people can buy into to help support this project? Well, the, um, the concept was one that I came up with um, with um, uh, Crent Abel, um, a.k.a. Steve Martin. So, so I mean, you mentioned in Cox and Rock and Roll before, which is our previous film. We've we mm. done one film together, which was this, as you say, kind of like a hybrid thing. A documentary turns into a horror film about his work. His work has kind of got a, um, a visceral kind of like um, uh, kind of like horror kind of sort of vibe to it. He does a lot of quite sort of violent, quite out there stuff. It's always funny as well. It's never like kind of just gratuitous for no reason. There's always a sense of humour to it. Um, but after we finished that film, we kind of started talking about what we wanted to do next. Um, and what happened was that we'd managed to sell um, uh, the uh, In Cox and Rock and Roll film to Vice. Um, it was a, 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 it wasn't a, b- a big you know number or anything. It was just like very much a sort of a straight. W- would you show this film on your site? And they were yeah. like, yeah, that they would. Steve had done work for them before. They knew who he was, but um, it was a very uh, big opportunity, we felt, to try and capitalise on. And so we wanted to try and get something together ready for that. Um, so basically it went live on Vice. Um, the previous film in Cox and Rock and Roll went live on Tuesday. Um, and when we launched Kickstarter at the same time. And the um, uh, the new film is based on an idea that Steve came up with, which I've then kind of helped to shape and, and turn into a sort of story. Um, and the idea is that basically those road crews that you sort of go past every day who um, seem to be blocking up one side of the um, uh, the school run or they're blocking up half the motorway and there's great big tailbacks and when you actually kind of get there and, and start going past them they don't look like they're actually doing anything um, and, and there's actually a reason for that um, and the reason for that is that those guys are actually a secret council unit whose job um, is blocking up demon portals of course they are so, of course they are. Um, and so um, instead of actually mending the road, which is what they're supposed to be doing ostensibly, they're hiding in plain sight and they have to go down into these little demon portal things and block them up. And what happens is that our story begins with um, an excluded um, kid called Alex, who's 16 and he's kind of been kicked out of school. And he does lots of weird drawings of monsters and stuff. People think he's just a weird kid. Mm. And um, he has to go and do a work experience, like a work placement um, with his uncle who's on this deep clean crew. And he doesn't know that that's what they do and nor does 
his mum. So basically, he's with these guys, and um, he ends up coming face to face with um, a dark and horrible beastie, which he then must vanquish. So it's kind of like um, the peeling back of that that world that you kind of see and know and, and think you're um, kind of understanding of every day, like an everyday element, um, and, and giving you a kind of as a, um, a viewer, as an audience member, like a sort of a secret way into seeing something completely different, kind of like turning that world on its head. Mm. Um, and, and we really like the idea of that because it, it, it seemed to like have a, um, uh, a, a if you were going to sort of take those those guys and like sort of find out who they were and what they were like um, it seemed that that was a really nice way of getting that flip to happen which is that you start out in a kind of like almost Ken Loachy kind of Mike Lee kind of world where you're just like sort of in a kind of a social realist sort of naturalistic setting mm. and then what happens is you drop in little clues and then suddenly you go crash bang and flip the whole thing over on its head and 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 suddenly you're in a world where there are interdimensional beasts um so we, we like that as an idea we thought it was kind of funny and, and it kind of fit in with like crent style so yeah that's the that's that's the pitch of the story of the film and it's going to be live action isn't it though it's not it's not a comic it's not animated. It is, it, it, is, it is absolutely live action. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, so uh, that's one of the things that we found out is with with Steve's artwork and his drawing being so amazing. I think that sometimes people assume it's going to be animated, but it's not. Mm. Um, it's very much live action. It's kind of in the vein of, um, you know, sort of films like um, uh, Troll Hunter um, and maybe um, uh, the stuff like um, Society, which um, uh, some people um, a little older, a slightly older reference to some people. Um, and then um, you know um, other films which have got. A comedic edge and uh, like Shaun of the Dead um, and maybe Attack the Block where you've got like kind of a, a sort of a, a normal naturalistic real world and then you kind of like you know insert some humour and some realism into it but then you also have this fantastical element so yeah we were quite attracted to that as an idea something to work on so then let's uh, so that's that's the that's the film you're going to make now to add to yeah. that you've got a hell of a team um, and looking through some of the names I can see I can see alumni of the Britflix podcast. So you've got you've got Dan Martin. So do you want to talk yep. about him? Uh, yeah, I'd love to. Dan's fantastic. So basically, Dan is um, a long-time collaborator of Ben Wheatley's, um, and he's one of the um, the kind of the, um, the leading lights in the UK um, sort of uh, the special effects community. Uh, basically, working with practical materials, with silicon, with rubber, you know, with, with kind of um, you know, you know pumps and air guns and that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, so yeah, he's he's doing our practical uh, monster. It's kind of like maggot, um, doll maggot. We're calling it, which is kind of like this um, this entity which has taken on um, form from various elements that it's managed to get hold of as it comes up through the, the through the um, the portal that it comes out of so um, we're, we're designing that it's kind of like um it's going to be a sort of a hand puppet thing basically operated by the performer with an articulated mouth and it's got little arms and legs and stuff and it's really quite disgusting <laughs> um, so, um uh, yeah so this this is just kind of a steve um or crent able uh, monster kind of like come to life and, and that's really exciting so that yeah is exciting, worked on- yeah yeah, it is, it is because uh, you know, like one of the things about Steve's work is that people have like a really kind of like gut reaction to it, and so we were very keen to try and find a way of, um, you know, bringing that into you know sort of squirming, rollicking, um, sweating, dripping three dimensions. Um, and the, um, uh, I mean, you know, Dan's worked with with some great people, as I say. I mean, he, he works with um, uh, Ben a lot and did High Rise and Free Fire, um, Field in England. Um, and he also worked on a TV series, Utopia. That was one of his kind of first sort of like biggest mainstream jobs um, mm. with Mark Munder, um, who's, a, who's a great director. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's got a real track record. And so, uh, 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 and the rest of the team you've got involved? 
Well, um, we're also working with Territory Studio, who are amazing. So I, I work with them a bit in other capacities, but they've just, just finished doing, um, uh, they did Ghost in the Shell, they did all the amazing cityscape shots and also the kind of the invisible um, uh, to visible um, stuff with Scarlett Johansson. Um, they also just finished doing uh, Blade Runner 2049, which is out in about um, uh, three weeks' time, I think. Um, and they did Prometheus, they did Guardians of the Galaxy. And, um, you know, the, the, in, in terms of visual effects, they've, they've really worked with the best. I was going to say, this is um, quite heavyweight stuff, isn't it? Yeah, they. I mean, they they, they operate um, on a really high level because they are really really good. Um, and there's only one way you get to work at that level, and that's by you know really knowing your stuff. And so they, they actually started out doing more um, uh, UI, it's called, which is user interface, um, which is kind of like the screens that um, you know. If you had to use an example, the Minority Report would be a good one, which is what everyone knows, where you've got people swiping stuff with their fingers, yeah. and what that is um, quite often is something which is done on set. Um, in a in a in, in a quite a, um, a live capacity and then augmented. So they started out doing that, but they've moved on to sort of much bigger things, and they're now kind of like doing you know sort of like full CGI you know rendered um, you know environments and um, moving on, um, elements and that kind of stuff. It's, so yeah, it's very exciting to work with them. So on the produ- on the um, on the music side, you've got some good names involved, haven't you as well for the film? Yes. Yeah, we're working with um, uh, a couple of friends of Steve's, actually. So basically, um, uh, uh, Crent, um, um, Steve, um, had done um, some work with a band called Kite Base, um, who are um, uh, Kendra Frost and Aisha Hassan. Um, and uh, they were, um, uh, I think Steve had done a tour poster for them. So they asked him, would they um, would we be interested in showing the film in Cox and Rock and Roll at one of their shows, which we did. And, and, and um, he, he'd met with them before and knew them anyway. Mm. Um, but... Yeah, then we just started talking to them about the new project, and um, they got interested, and, and we asked them whether they would be interested in coming on and doing the soundtrack, and, the, and they, they thought they would. So they've, they then brought in another um, uh, band who we've not really worked with before, but who are great, called I Speak Machine, which is um, Tara Bush, who is a, 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 a musician based out of New York and L.A. Mm. Um, and so they're going to collaborate on the um, on the soundtrack. And, uh, no, it's, it's great. We're really looking forward to it, because Tara and her, her partner, um, Matt, have um, also been... Um, dabbling in the kind of the horror film sphere themselves and they've done um, a couple of shorts and they've also done quite a lot of like live soundscape stuff and so um, that's been really nice so we've got some great stuff on the music side um, and then we're also working with um, uh, exec producer Mike Chapman from Kaleidoscope um, who did um, or, and worked on the release um, of uh, Prevenge, Alice Lowe's Prevenge, um, and also um, uh, Steve Oram's um, uh, A Dark Song. He didn't direct it, he, he starred in it. Um, that was by Liam Gavin. But um, yeah, he's basically got like a really solid kind of like background and grounding in the sort of the horror side of things. Mm. Um, and then we're also working with um, uh, Roxanne Holman, who's great from Joker's Pack. So um, yeah, as you said, you had um, uh, Mark on the show before, and um, uh, yeah, we're, we're thrilled to be working with Roxy. So yeah, we've got like a really solid team. It's, it's it's a great bunch of people. So so for for those listening, that, that that's a you know a lot of a lot of a lot of good names working in film right now. What why why do you need to raise money via crowdfunding as as opposed to this sort of sells itself as it were? What's what's the um, What's the motivation there? 
Well, I, I guess the, um, one of the motivations of crowdfunding is is that you get to build a community around your idea, and and the um, uh, the you know from the conversations I've had with other filmmakers, that's become a really important part of how they've been able to do what they wanted to do. Mm. But it also um, involves involves autonomy, um, which means that you know you're not um, um, asking other people for permission to do something. You're basically saying this is what we want to do, and then you're asking people who are part of your community, do you like it or not? Mm. You're not you're not asking them, do you want to change the ending? You're not asking them, um, you know, you, what, what you're really asking for them is, is is for their backing and their support and and that can be financial but it can also come in other ways as well it's not just about the financial side of things um, because obviously people if they are emotionally and financially invested in a project happening and you need something um, then quite often um, people will go out to their backers and say guys we need you know an ambulance or guys we need a you know, double-decker bus or whatever it might be and, mm. and and that can be something that the community will help you with. But I think the main reason um, is what we were talking about before, um, uh, which was um, something to do with urgency. Right. Um, and, and basically the idea is that um, you're, um, I think, in terms of getting projects moving, that, that there is and there can be a danger in, in the filmmaking sort of world, and, I, and I've experienced it, and I think everyone has a stasis, which is basically that you're working on something and you think, oh, it's good, but it's not ready to send out yet. Um, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and that can be a killer because you can be not ready to send something out for years. Um, and I know people who've been working on projects for years that they have still not shown anyone. And, I, and, and to my mind, that's, and, that, and, and, that, and that, that can be, I think, quite a dangerous mindset. So, so obviously what you're doing which is scary about the Kickstarter process is that you're publicly announcing that you're going to do something. And if you announce it publicly, as opposed to not telling anyone about it at all, then there is an urgency which is immediately instilled in the process by the fact that you said you're going to do it. And so if you then don't do it, you're now publicly failing. Um, and um, that's a very scary um, place to be in and, and, and not something that I want to think about too much. But it is... <laughs> It, 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 but it is part of the reason for doing it, which is that we said, look, we're going to go live on Vice with this film on Tuesday, um, the previous film in Cox and Rock and Roll. Yeah. Uh, and what do we do with that attention? Do we do we do we do anything with it, or do we just let it go by? Um, and we decided we wanted to do something with it. So this is basically us saying, look, we're going to we're going to go out and make this film, and it's going to happen. Um, and you should get with us and, and come and be a part of this really fun project. And and I think that that's a really good thing about crowdfunding. It, it it's scary because obviously, as, as I say, you're, you're doing it publicly. But the motivation factor is extremely high, um, and, and it means that you are now beholden to and responsible to a bunch of people. You've committed to doing things for them, uh, for, to deliver rewards, whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, that means that you are not able to just go, you know what, I don't fancy doing this. Um, it, it has to move forward. And I think that's very important in, in terms of why you would want to go out and do it. But the last reason as well, I, I think, um, is that, um, you know, in terms of taking it out to people and saying, do you think we might want to develop this? Um, we've had great responses from the industry. We've had two or three people who have been very keen to come on board. Um, and what we've tried to do is keep them interested. Um, but at the same time, we want to make sure that um, uh, we uh, we have the, um, the 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 story and the world and the understanding of it clear in our heads. And really, the only way that you can do that is by going out and making something that shows you can do that. Um, so, you know, if you're if you're saying to someone, "Hey, guys, I want to make a horror film. Do you want to give me a million quid?" Um, they would probably say, "Well, you know, let's see what you're planning to do." Then, and, and yeah. this is what. 
many short films obviously tend to um, be part of um, a, a larger project as ours is. Um, it's basically a um, you know a teaser for a longer project, um, and we have quite a bit of interest in that. But I think that we just felt it was very important to go out and sort of make something which showed that we can do it, and, and, and that's kind of you know one of the reasons as well. So I mean, and in, in the introduction video, which I mean for, for those listening, I'll, be, I'll put a link in the show notes to the to the campaign page. Um, you know, a lot of favours are getting pulled, aren't they, to to get these get people involved and get this made. But obviously, it do, the favours don't cover everything. So the crowdfunding is is the money that's needed for those things that just favours won't stretch to, isn't it? That's the that's the. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm obviously, all independent filmmakers spend all of their time <laughs> pulling favours, unless you're um, <laughs> Spielberg, then you, you tend to be, um, you know, trying to make your money go as far as it can and put as much of, uh, of it as you, as you can up on the screen. So it's, you know, it's a continual process where you're basically um, uh, quite often doing what a lot of people do, and, and I do myself, which is that you're, you know, you're working in the kind of the corporate sphere, you're doing like branded content and like, you know, bits of commercial stuff, and then using those contacts and hopefully those relationships. Um, to to take other projects forward, so you're basically you know going you know listen guys we we did this work together where everyone got paid now do you want to come and do something fun with us where you're not going to get paid as much um, and um, you might not um, you know like get the um, uh, the the limo and the uh, the amazing catering that you're used to but what you will get is you will get a really um, heartfelt deep and meaningful experience um, in terms of um, helping people realise their vision and and you know we we also want to make sure that we do that for other people too so in terms of what no direction home does the director's community that i I run on the side um you know we connect people all the time we try and find ways that we can help people get their hooks into bits of work or into um, uh, to meeting collaborators and so what we hope is that when we go out to the community and ask them to um to, to give us a hand that they feel that that might be appropriate because we've been doing that for quite a while ourselves so then, let's let's we don't, we don't have to go through them all. But uh, the great thing about Kickstarter is it's not just about giving money. There's 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 an incentive to giving money to help get a film get made, and which obviously, like you say, builds a community. It, it creates real stakeholders in the film, doesn't it? Not just a kind of potential audience, but actually people who who are exci- maybe not quite as excited, but certainly excited to see the film get made. Which is why someone would would back it. So do you want to do you want to just give like sort of I guess. Two two kind of price points at the beginning, two in the middle, and two at the end, and kind of or, or one at the end as to as to what how people can back the movie and what what that what the reward is for that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so um, uh, obviously the the thing that we have, which um, I would say is a, a major selling point of, of what we're doing, is is um, uh, uh, Crent Abel's work, his artwork being um, something that you know drew me towards working with him in the first place. So yeah. Uh, if you start off with um, some of the kind of the, um, uh, the sort of the earlier or, or lower end rewards, we've got things like um, uh, an, uh, an art print set, which is like uh, you know you've got the um, uh, the sort of the uh, you know four amazing bits of like concept art from the film, which are going to be really nicely printed. Um, and um, what are those coming in at? Um, those are in the, um, the sort of thirty five, is it forty quid? But obviously, what we do is um, yeah, they're thirty five. But what you also do is, is you get all of the lower rewards as well. So obviously, for that, you also get um, to uh, uh, follow the film, you get all our updates. You get the download of the film, which comes in at the £15 price point, um, and then you get like a, a soundtrack um, mix as well. Um, so um, you've got, you know, sort of like three little rewards and then that art set. Um, but there's also another another um, um, reward which is slightly lower than that, um, which is the 25 quid mark, and then you've got like this art of the film ebook.
work and what we're doing is basically putting together like a really nice selection of it'll be photos from the set it'll be um, steve's artwork um, that we put out publicly but also the sort of rough development sketches and stuff as well so you can kind mm. of get side look at the process so i guess that um, that one's kind of one for people who are into the um the filmmaking process the kind of the how-to the nuts and bolts stuff which is which is quite nice i'm into that kind of stuff i quite like seeing other people's you know kind of trials and tribulations and how they kind of put things together and like early versions of stuff that's always interesting if people are prepared to reveal it so yeah i mean so so the lower end is kind of like 15 quid to see the film you basically get download and, and then you've got like this art film book and then you've got like um, you know art print set and then you go up a bit higher um and um, we're giving um, the, all of that plus um, uh, it's, this is an exclusive doll face t-shirt like the, the, the theme has got a kind of like um, a broken doll theme kind of going through it um, so we've got a, um, a doll t-shirt which is rather nice that Steve's done um, you get a bit higher and um, uh, a nice one at 75 quid in kind of the middle range I guess is a make me a monster so that's <laughs> you send in a you send in a passport photo and um, you will basically get a sketch back um, in the post of your head or uh, whatever part of your body you send in, I suppose, um, turned into a monster. So basically, Steve, <laughs> Steve will basically put your head onto the body of a, of a, of a, um, uh, a you know, a type of monster, and then and then make your head kind of you know beastly and monstrous. That'd be quite good fun. Um, and then, but, but I can just say that Steve, Steve would seem like the perfect like the perfect asset to a collaborate with, and then. To create a Kickstarter campaign like this, it's he, uh, he is the perfect asset, and um, he also has a perfect ass. So there you go. Yeah, it's, <laughs> a, it's, it's a double win. Um, but no, he's great. I mean, you know, like, the thing that he has, which is um, something that is very difficult to um, uh, to quantify, is that just people r- respond very viscerally and positively, and with with um, kind of amusement um, to his work. And and um, you know, there's uh, uh, there's not many people that you come across whose whose stuff is you know like really universally liked. And obviously there are some people who it is not for, you know, I mean, it's not always safe for work, his stuff. Um, and, um, you know, some of it has got, you know, like a quite sort of extreme nature to it. So not everyone, not everyone digs it, but most of the people that, that we've been in touch with and, and that we've been talking to just go, wow, this guy is great. And, and that's really nice because obviously you have a kind of, um, you have a almost a bedrock upon which to pin the um, the approaches that you're making. You're saying, look, yeah, you yeah. this person, like, okay, yeah. Um, so then you go up a bit higher um, and we do that there's a collector's poster bundle. So we've got a theatrical hero poster we've got a teaser poster and we've got the um uh, kind of the the art of the film book and stuff so there's a kind of like an art bundle um and then you go up a bit higher vip screening um it, all the broads are lower but you know you get to come to the premiere with us which would be fun um and then um uh, there's a, another nice one a bit higher up Crentable's Big Night In I don't know if you fancy Crentable and me coming around to your house and watching Evil Dead 2 or The Thing with you and playing some tunes and eating your nachos but if you have 500 quid you get to hang out with us for the evening mildly <laughs> um, amusing um, and then um, what you do um, um, above that is you're kind of into the kind of the associate producer and kind of like co-producer credits and, and what we're very keen to um, get at that level is people who want to you know get involved in, in talking to us about what we're up to and, and um, you know we'll be um, sending them you know updates on um, what we're doing much more regularly than other people because they've made a major commitment so you know th- there are um uh, you know people um uh, that we um are talking to who are interested in that kind of thing um and obviously it's um it's very key for us that we you know we get people who are um good in terms of collaborators um and um you know anyone who's interested in those higher rewards it'd be lovely to get people who wanted to be part of the process because we're we're keen on um working with people and, and making connections and that's kind of what it's all about so yeah right then so let's Let's remind people then that the campaign's live now. We're Friday the 23rd of June. 
The campaign is live, yes. And it, and it, and it ends when again? July the 13th. July the 13th. Okay, so we'll put that in the show notes. Thank um, you. And the, 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 you, the, the campaign was launched on the back of making your first collaboration with Steve available, Ink, Cox and Rock and Roll. So let's, right. let's talk about that then now. Um, so now he's when that project started was it was it going to be that hybrid that you made it or was it going to be a straightforward documentary i mean and i don't say that as as a kind in a pejorative sense i mean you you've you've already made a name for yourself with american the bill hicks story documentary so that that would be you know that wouldn't be that surprising that you would then make a documentary about a, 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 a controversial and exciting comic book artist but obviously there, there is the, the film breaks into what is just normal kind of narrative cinema, isn't it? From from the from the documentary foundation. Yeah, it was very interesting. Well, so I mean, the the, the way I came across Steve was actually on Vice. So I was on Vice dot com, and they had a um, an article called "Have We Finally Become a Nation of Pedophile Hunters?" And it was basically about the press furore around, or the or the kind of the, the panic and the the kind of the out, um, outrage around Jimmy Savile and Matt Clifford and um, uh, Rolf Harris. And so basically, mm. it was about press uh, and, and and public and media kind of chaos and and you know people getting upset. And and the um, the illustrations done by Steve for that article were of those three guys, but as Batman villains. So Jimmy Savile was um, the Joker um, from, um, uh, as a pastiche of The Killing Joke, the 1988. It is an amazing image, that, by the way. It's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, like, it really grabbed me. That's the first thing I ever saw of his, and I just went... I said, bloody hell, who did that? That's great. Yeah. Um, so I then had a look through that um, uh, and found his website and, um, and saw his stuff. And I also found out quite quickly um, that um, that he, I was assuming that Crent Table wasn't actually his real name and that he had a real <laughs> name, which I found out later on he does. Um, but um, uh, he also, there was, I think, maybe one picture in his blog of him or maybe two pictures, of him dressed up as Crent Able. And I was like, wow. So this guy had a not only a body of work that I really liked, but he also had this um, alter ego, this, this, this kind of like monster sort of pen name character that he sort of blamed for his comics. And, and so it's kind of like, you know, um, uh, a, a, an author having a pen name, but in this case they actually have a whole character that goes with it and a look and like, you know, almost a, um, a kind of a, a, a mythology around it. It wasn't quite that developed, but it was basically, you know, it was something that he had physicalized. He dressed up as so. I, I got in touch with him, and I actually, um, uh, uh, rather sneakily, um, to introduce myself, I bought a piece of his artwork off of his website. So basically, I, I paid 120 quid and got a, um, a really nice original pen drawing of one of his groups of characters um, from his from his previous book, which I thought was a bargain. Um, yeah. And then we met up and had a coffee, and I said, oh, um, I'll, you know, it'd be really good to talk to you about something. And he thought, um, I think he thought that I was going to commission a poster from him because that's normally what people do—they commission art from him. And yeah. I said, no, no, I, I want to make a film with you in it about this alter ego of yours and, and and i want it to be an exploration of the um the kind of the artistic process through the idea of this character that you've invented um, and so the idea of it being not being a straight documentary was always there from the start the, the, the only reason i uh, <coughs> oh, excuse me <coughs> the only reason i was interested in doing it was because of that 
um, character that he had and what you could do with that. And so basically my initial pitch to him was, look, I want to do this thing where maybe I shouldn't say this because it will spoil it if you haven't seen it. Um, and we can embed it on your site um, is I want to do, do something where this character kind of manifests itself basically. Um, and, and there is this thing that comes from the pages or from the part of one's imagination, uh, which is kind of maybe kept secret and locked away and comes out and, and becomes alive, comes off the page. Um, so that, that was kind of the initial idea for it. Um, so yeah, it was always going to be this, this hybrid thing. Um, um, the, the, the phrase hybrid documentary is not massively well understood because it means different things to different people. Um, but it basically, as you said, it starts out as a straight kind of artist portrait mm. and then it turns into something else. And that something else could be a horror film. Um, it could also not be. It could be. It could be something else as well. It could. It could be a, a meta, a meta multi-layer examination of the um, of the artistic and aesthetic process via the uh, the form of this character that he's created, which I think is wonderful and funny and weird. Um, so yeah, all those things, wonderful and funny and weird. And um, and we made this film, which was um, it was very. It was quite quick to shoot. It was quite easy to shoot. We knew what we wanted to, to get in the can. What really took a long time was editing it, um, because when we started putting it together, it just initially didn't work, and we were like, okay, I, that's not quite working. And, and it really came down to a structural thing and to like sound design to make it seem like um, what we wanted to have happen um, was happening. And it was that thing of getting some an idea that is visually there but is actually coming from someone's imagination and trying to make that look like it's manifesting itself in the real world, in quotes. And so that was the trick. It was, it was quite... It's a, wonder, it's a wonderfully meta film, because obviously you, you, it's got lots of layers. I mean, Steve Martin, the comic, the comic writer, the, the, guy, the guy who was... What band was he in before he, before he gave up on? What was the band? Uh, he was in um, uh, a band called Rancho Diablo for, um, I believe they did one album and an EP um, signed to Mute, um, and then he was in a, uh, then he went solo kind of thing, um, and then he was in a band which was, um, as he admits, a fake band um, called El Destructo. Um, so yeah, he was kind of Rancho Diablo, then he was kind of like Steve Martin, and then El Destructo. So, so in, 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 and also the fact that from that music he then makes his first inroads into this comic town he's got through a music magazine that's right yeah you know so it's, and then and then you make a film about him about his alter ego and looking at what our alter ego can an alter ego be something you can lean back on to make to make good art and then do the whole thing where you go actually no Crent Abel is 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 real <laughs> Well, uh, well, well um, uh, or, or are we saying that? Mm. Um, so yeah, um, the um, uh, the thing that um, I think was um, yeah nice about uh, Steve wanting to do it was that he was he was a bit nervous about the acting part of it, and there is some bits which are a little bit um, uh, you know like that we had to kind of create those moments as opposed to just letting them happen, and he was a bit nervous about that. Um, but um, uh, the response to the film has been really good; like people have really really enjoyed it, and, and also have, have, have expressed um, sort of concern about the fact that our relationship seemed to have broken down during the course of the film. <laughs> we're like, no, 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 we're still mates, he's here, he's at the bar, he's getting a drink, it's fine. Um, well, well so- I, must have, I mean, I wrote some notes as I was watching it, and then by the end of it, obviously some of the notes become redundant, so I'm like, I, I was, because I'm just thinking of like questions I would ask about making the film, so it's like, oh, so what, I wrote down, why did you choose to be part, part of the film and put yourself in front of the camera? And then obviously, I'm writing this down as it's happening, but then, obviously, the the film reveals why why you do that in of itself. It's not like it's um, it's not that much of a trick. It's actually part of what you're developing as a 
as the uh, you're going look over here. No, here's the reveal, and uh, you've, you've tricked us as an audience, which I thought. I was think, really well, cool. I think that's the, yeah, that's the really nice thing about documentary is that um, obviously you have a um, uh, sort of a, um, uh, a a predisposition towards people thinking that what they're seeing is real mm. or true. Um, and obviously that um, is, you know, and has been subverted rather wonderfully by all the reality TV formats, like, you know, the only way is Essex or whatever, where you kind of like you're now doing a kind of a structured reality or an authored reality, I think mm. people call it. Yeah, and, yeah. and so we were kind of a little bit in that space, really, where we're kind of like going, right, well, it starts out as something that looks like a normal artist interview and then it becomes something else. And so the bit which um, um, is really nice is it's about, you know, about halfway through the film and um, and then suddenly things start going a bit a bit weird and people who haven't um, been aware of it and read about it beforehand, uh, that's when they get really interested because suddenly it's, it's, it's messed with their understanding of what they were watching. Mm. And that's, that's really pleasurable for an audience. If you can do it in a nice way as opposed to tricking them, you know, um, and, and trying to get one over on them or pulling the rug from under their feet with, without any good reason, then, then it's really pleasurable. It's like, oh, I, I thought we were here and now we're going over here. And that's funny. It makes you laugh. I mean, just as I mean, obviously, I'm only one person, but but it's it's the um, I'm really I'm really glad that I got to see this film because I didn't I wasn't aware of Steve Martin at all. So through this film, I'm now aware of this fantastic talent that that obviously other people will be will there be other people getting the same. Re- Getting the same reaction as well, which is the, his work is really special, and and um, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't tend to use the um, the word very often because I I really don't think that it applies to many people, but I really think that there is a certain amount of genius to what he does because he is also able to operate in that artistic space which. Um, many people find hard to access, which is completely unfettered access to his unconscious. And what that means is that you're really able to dig into some parts of the human experience, to use a lofty term, um, which um, are not always um, uh, pleasurable or, 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 or want to be dug up. But, um, mm. but, but he's completely happy to go there. And so um, what that means is that his work has a very visceral quality. And there's you know beheadings, and there's people having sex, and there's you know like sort of bodily fluids, and there's there's um, some pretty outrageous to stuff but it's always done with a real humor to it and so um, that to me is is the saving grace if it was just violent and sexual then uh, that would be not of interest to me at all really um but because it's got a humor to it and 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 that there is an an attitude and a worldview which i think is really well formed um then um, as john doran said who you know from the quietest Mm. but he's he's created a self-contained world not just from one comic strip but from all of his stuff together if you take it as a body of work he's created a um a sort of a little universe there which is you know you could call it world we've never done that before that's a term i've just come up with but um, <laughs> and, and he would probably hate it but um the idea is that there is a um, you know there is a kind of like an alternate reality going on which exists in this way um and and that's really interesting to me so yeah in terms of like the way that um you look at how artists do their work and how they um uh, attempt to try and communicate what they feel inside of them to the outside world um then then that's a really interesting um you know character and a really interesting case study and a really interesting you know, body of work. I, I think this stuff is great, and yeah, I'm very happy to sort of keep shouting about it and trying to get more people aware of it. And 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 this was the, the, and, and sorry, just to finish off on that point, um, the 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 um, the, the big sort of driver for the new film um, was that Steve um, is a huge horror fan um, and um, um, we wanted to um, start moving him towards getting into getting into films because he's always wanted to do that, and, and this seemed like the perfect opportunity. Well, no, and as, as he says in your film, he says, as soon as I start drawing, the real world disappears. And I think that's easier said than done because we're always conscious, we're always, we're always self-editing because of what we fear 
others might say. It, I mean, I, I, I used to manage a band called Tokyo Dragons, and we collaborated with um, comic artist Chris Weston for an album sleeve. He right. did he did the filth with um, which which is the reason I did it, which is which is kind of that that kind of visceral satirical sense of humour of looking yeah. at the world as we see it and then creating alternate realities on how the world really works with a real sort of black humour to it. Uh, but he, I mean, but he, you know, cut his teeth at things like 2000 AD and stuff, you know. And 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 he worked with Grant Morrison. Now, Grant Morrison, I've seen a documentary about him, how he, I mean, he went on a complete adventure, you know, I think experimenting with hallucinogens and all kinds to tap into that unconscious part, you know, to be able to, because he says now he doesn't have to do anything to, to tap into it. He's learned to go there and trust himself. Um, but it yeah. is, I think, I think for a lot of people, it is scary to tap into, to make that joke. Cause you're like, cause, cause it, the most, it's over, it, it's, it, we can stand back and look at Steve's, at Krent's work and go, yeah, it's really funny. But when he's drawing it, it's kind of, it doesn't, it, it doesn't exist with that appreciation. It's just his imagination on a page. Well, it's also, yeah, I mean, there's a reference to um, to Robert Crumb in the film, and obviously mm. Robert Crumb was one of the first people who um, took that, um, uh, you know, experimentation with LSD and, and the sort of the tapping into what you really sort of feel deep down inside as opposed to just here's a funny comic strip or here's a Superman strip, for example. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, he and so, you know, Steve obviously references and talks about him in the film. Um, and um, the, the the idea of being able to sort of do that to, to, to go into the dark, deep recesses of your brain, and and this is the important part, not be then embarrassed or worried about showing that to the outside world, because the, the some of the stuff that he does, you kind of think, wow, I kind of feel a little bit um, sort of scared about um, you know showing that to everyone, because that represents some deep part of my psyche, and I'm now putting it on display. Mm. Um, so, so the idea that you're you're able to tap into um, some really deep, dark sort of um, you know, it's not always dark it, it can be light as well but it's all it has to be deep because it's about that visceral connection to who you are as a person that's what connects people to his work that's because they see it and go wow like all that stuff is the kind of thing um bill hicks used to talk about this as well this is the kind of stuff that um people um think but don't say mm. um, and, and this is the, um, the, the one of Bill's mantras was that I do what I do so people won't feel alone. And, and what that means is that if you're bombarded perpetually by images in the media um, or from the government or from your church organisation of what you should do, how you should live your life, how you should be, um, then if someone comes along and says, yeah, 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 but, but it doesn't have to be that way, it could be this, um, then that's really a breath of fresh air. And it makes people think, um, thank God, I'm not the only one who thinks that. I'm not mad. And so part of the um, the, the job I think of an artist in, 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 in the world is to basically give people an alternative view as to how they can see um, things when they're bombarded continually by messages telling them to be thinner, to buy more of this, to go on this holiday, whatever it might be. Um, that, that there is another voice which says, well, no, hang on a second, have you thought about it this way? Um, and so um, I think that that's a really valuable part of what Bill did and what Robert Crumb did and, and, and what Steve does. I, I, I see them in, in, in a similar kind of van. Well, no, totally, and 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 it's interesting that it's that that he's ma managing to do such exciting work through through a format that right now, because of Marvel and DC's domination of of the Hollywood schedule, is seen as the most mainstream, undisruptive kind of medium. Because we're just breaking it, and millions of people are watching it. So, in a sense, there's nothing really that outrageous about it. And yet, still in 2017. Comics can still be a trans transgressive medium. Why, why, why do you think the comic book is still ripe for that, for, to be rebellious, it, despite the fact that 
complete in the in the in the public sphere right now, comics are ne- couldn't be more popular, could they? They couldn't be more visible as a, as a, as running through the, the threads of what we what we see as everyday life. You know, every cinema. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose it depends on who you talk to. Like, if you if you talk to um, uh, you know comic book artists, then I, I think that um, uh, you know sometimes they feel that the uh, you know the the sort of the uh, the massive um, commercialization of the larger properties, like you know, that you kind of feel how many more spy- versions of Spider-Man do we need? Mm. Um, sometimes that can, I think, have a um, appalling a, a effect um, on on the cinema going public. I mean, you know, when 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 Avengers and stuff first came out, it was all very exciting, but I think that <clears throat> that, 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 that there is a danger that because we're bombarded with so many of these films, that, that there can be a slight um, uh, on we set in where people are like oh it's another superman movie or you know what i mean so um i think that the the challenge for um uh, the, the comics um, um world and 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 the, the superhero franchises is to keep things um, fresh and developing and interesting which is why when films like logan come out which or deadpool um which which change what the perception of those films are they they can really ruffle some feathers and i think that's great so so that that's the challenge i think is, is to keep that world fresh and um, because obviously these big properties have so many millions of dollars riding on them and they have to reach a very wide audience which means by definition they have to be palliable to a larger number of people whereas that's not really what Steve's doing um, and, and he's, he's operating in a much more niche space um, but um, for the people who are able to connect with him there um, then I think it's a much more meaningful experience so yeah I mean we're, we're thrilled to be working on Deep Clean because I think that that's a great example of how we can attempt to try and marry the, um, the interest and wider kind of understanding of oh it's a comic book thing um, or it comes from um, that world um, with some more interesting ideas um, and, and, and you know we're not trying to make a great big superhero franchise that everyone is going to like we're trying to make something really interesting and funny and dark and weird and messed up that a few people will love um, and that's kind of what the Kickstarter campaign is about. Now we've, we've, we've obviously covered what the ink is and we've covered what the rock and roll is now your film's ink cocks and rock and roll for, and, and obviously, when you watch the documentary, it's obvious why. Um, and that reminded me of there was there's a Manchester public publisher called Savoy Publications. They did a comic called Menganeka and Lord Horror, and they got in all kinds of trouble when I used to live back in Manchester in the late eighties, early nineties, with um, the chief of police James Anderton, and he was satirised in comic form. You know, we're talking suspenders and bras and huge cocks and stuff. And it's it's really it's 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 just fascinating that he, you know again just thinking that something something as crass as just a cock is is still like well where are we going with this now and I've seen you know obviously the, the documentary shows some where quite where uh, where Krent's imagination goes which isn't just your average cock I mean they, they, there's little cocks there's big cocks there's cocks that are going to bite you um, so did you did you did you begin to, did you get to understand any of that from working with him. Well, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think he takes it too seriously or thinks about it too much. He just likes getting a rise out of people, and I think that this comes back to the the, the thing we were just talking about, and and, and the reason um, why we're we're so into doing um, deep clean is is that um, you know there is a complacency um, that that people can be fairly easily shocked out of just by um, drawing something as basic as, as genitalia, mm. um, which everybody has. It's not like a new thing. It's not like we haven't seen them. Um, so, um, but but there is there is something about that which is a, a 
kind of like almost a hot button um, uh, uh, topic um, sort of raiser, which is which is which is great. And so yeah, he, I, 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 you know, he, when we were talking to Vice, you know, he was he was saying he doesn't think of it in in terms of like you know, am I trying to do anything deep and meaningful here? It, it, it's about fun and it's about getting um, uh, getting a bit of electricity going in the air and about you know like making people sit up and um, drawing a cock is one way to do that. <laughs> yeah, again, I think I think I think this quote I wrote a quote down. I think it's from the editor of Stool Pigeon where he, where it's like can I print this? And then a bit later on, uh, not 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 directly linked to that, but I just thought it played well with 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 that line. Is that uh, then Crent says it's just a bit of fun, really. It's sort yeah. of it, and that's it, isn't it? Really, it's like we 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 can be shocked, but then we're kind of interested. And then we start going into that editor thing of like, well, what will other people think? Whereas Krent's not being limited by that, is he? Like, and he'll draw it, he'll go, hey, have a look. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think that that's, um, you know, uh, that's what Inkox and Rock and Roll was, was based around to a certain extent was that attitude. Um, and, and what we've done is, yeah, as I say, with Deep Clean is we tried to kind of like sort of um, bring that attitude into it, which is that you've got a world which is ostensibly normal, but then you kind of up, 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 upend it or subvert it. Um, and um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a shock, but it's also a fun um, and, and, you know, quite light and amusing way of dealing with something um, which, you know, it's not a big heavy um, topic and it's not a big heavy film it's a fun kind of rollicking little adventure which is about monsters and so you know we tried to try to get that that sense of fun really and that sense of kind of um uh, you know that sense of enjoyment and and you know just like uh, you know practical effects and and um giving that sort of that that real visceral quality to what we're doing mm. well look in- it's cox and rock and roll is 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 a really brilliant um short documentary hybrid mm-hmm. um and I guess we'll be able to give a link in the in the show notes to that, won't we? As well. Yes, you can you can embed it. It's actually live. It's available to embed from today. So we okay, basically cool. had, we we had we had seventy two hours exclusive with Vice, and we had Quietus had it for a day yesterday, and now it's available. So if you'd like to put it on Britflix, you're very welcome to. We'd love people to see it. Excellent, excellent. Well, we'll do that. And anyone that sees that film will then will easily be excited by the prospect of uh, of Deep Clean. I think I think you you you've got you as a, as a film director you've got a, a fantastic collaborator in in Crent Abel or Steve Martin whichever one it is you're collaborating with yeah um, and I suppose you don't really know it, it just you do, it all looks the same um, in fact funny enough, something John John Doran said about when he met him for the first time and he's like he's perfectly normal I fa- I mean I remember I had to interview uh, Marky Smith and he was all he was a pain in the ass and I couldn't get a word out of him. And then a week or two later, I was interviewing Genesis Peorage. So because of the perception of Genesis, as opposed to the way Mark looks, <laughs> I was terrified that this was going to go tits up as well. But he couldn't have been a nicer man. Because oh, he's, lovely. No, he's lovely, though. I mean, I've seen him talk a number of times. And, mm. uh, yeah, he's, he's a real sweetheart. <laughs> because, because, again, it's that idea that it, it, if, if you can get out all those things at the back of your mind into your work, then you, you're not stressed out by it. It's all out there. So what else is there to worry about? Yeah, and it's just, and I think that's, I got the impression from what, from what John was saying, and, and certainly what you see in the interviews, that certainly he's, he's the easy what he does. So let's remind people then, so the campaign's running live now, I'm talking to you on Friday the 23rd of June, you're, you're looking to raise a total of £25,000, and the closing date for the campaign is? Uh, July 13th. Okay, so Deep, Deep Clean is the film. Yeah, and if you want to go to the Kickstarter, we can. Um, uh, there's a shortcut, which is um, www.deepcleanfilm.com forward slash kickstart, and that'll take you right there. Fantastic, and we'll also include that for those who haven't got a pen ready when you said that awesome. in, in the show notes. So thank you very much for your time, Matt. No, thank you. And best of luck with the campaign.
Thanks very much for Britflix support, and, and we've had some support from some great other people as well. We've got, um, you know, Kickstarter gave it a project we love, like before it even came out, and we've also had, um, you know, um, uh, Shooting People, and we're doing Ben Blaine's blog, the Shooting People blog, um, on Monday, and um, we've also got, you know, some real support from, you know, South by Southwest and Berlin Talents and Loco and London Short Film Festival and the, you know, the London filmmaking community and, and, and wider than that are, are really getting behind it. And, um, yeah, we think it's a really exciting project. We're going to do our very best to make a fantastic film, and um, we really want to build a community around it and if you'd like to get involved then please do because we'd love your support excellent excellent if you don't already subscribe to Britflix just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly thank you Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.